Well, hello, and welcome to Fairfax 50 Plus, a series featuring discussions on issues of interest to residents 50 and over. I'm your host, Jim Person, and our guest today is Martin Bailey. He's with the Virginia Senior Medicare Patrol, and he's going to talk to us about Medicare fraud, which is estimated to be costing the nation between 60 and $90 billion a year. That's billion with a B. Now, just to put this in perspective, Medicare fraud costs considerably more than certain federal priorities like Homeland Security and NIH-sponsored medical research. Martin is going to tell us what Medicare fraud is and what we can do to help stop it. But first, a little bit of background on Martin. Now a resident of Woodbridge, he's originally from Carnegie, Pennsylvania, earned an MS in systems management from the University of Southern California, served in the Marines, then spent 30 years working for government agencies, including the State Department, NASA, and the Army. And when not fighting fraud, Martin devotes time to physical fitness, certified personal trainer, and a practitioner of several words I don't know that I can pronounce, Taekwondo, Combat Jiu-Jitsu, and Hapkido. Hapkido. Okay. You may remember Martin. This is his second time with us on the show. So, Martin, welcome back. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here again. Absolutely. Good to have you. Medicare fraud, 60 to $90 billion, B, billion dollars a year in fraud. Man. That, that is correct. Wow. Um, one of the things they have is the association – I'm sorry. The um, one organization has uh, estimated the health care fraud was at 3%. And total health care spending is like $3.4 trillion. Mm. So when you take the 3%, other agencies like the FBI say it's up to 10%. Wow. So now you can have That's a, easier math for me. <laughs> you can have health care fraud anywhere from $100 billion to $340 billion. Jeez. The Medicare fraud itself is somewhere between, like you said, 60 to $90 billion. Mm. And that's just strictly Medicare. Mm, incredible. Incredible. We're going to learn a little bit about the Virginia Senior Medicare Fraud Patrol, which uh, hopefully uh, can help or at least uh, uh, give us some information that, that will help us. So Virginia Senior Medicare Fraud Patrol, kind of a mouthful there, but kind of give us a little background, the history, maybe the mission, that kind of thing. Okay. Actually, what we are was Senior Medicare Patrol. Okay. It's not necessarily by the state, although we are nationwide and we're also in four territories, have about uh, somewhere around 5,000 volunteers throughout the entire nation, throughout the entire system. Virginia itself has 37 volunteers as well as uh, staff members. Uh, today, what we do is basically is we educate uh, people, how to prevent their personal identification from being taken from them, how to detect and properly identify errors on their health care statements, how to recognize scams, and then how to report fraud and abuse to the proper authorities. Okay. So when we're talking about fraud, I guess I want to make sure we understand. When we say Medicare fraud, what, what exactly are we are we talking about there? Okay. When you talk about fraud, what you're talking about is the illegal uh, charging of services that either have not been performed or charging too much for services that have been performed. Okay. That's your fraud. Your abuse is charging for uh, not or medically or medical uh, services that are not necessary or not professional medical services. Okay. When I think of Medicare fraud, I think um, the practitioners are the ones committing it are patients or residents can... Uh, can Almost anybody can commit fraud. Really? You have your practitioners, yeah, your okay. doctors, your health healthcare advisors, or your healthcare providers. 
you'll have your beneficiaries can do it, yeah. and your regular con men can do it. Hmm. So you have a four, uh, three or four people that can actually commit the fraud. Is uh, is one more common than the other? In other words, do you hear about more uh, medical practitioners be the ones committing fraud, or is it you know con men, or is it just equal opportunity offender? I guess <laughs> that I think it's equal opportunity. Uh, I haven't really any have any statistics on who commits the most of the fraud. Right. Now, I know just recently, uh, one of the biggest frauds that's going on in Virginia right now, in fact, all, all over the nation, is the uh, genetic testing fraud. And uh, what that is, is people will come up to you and say, you know, we'll do a genetic test for you. And what this does, it will show you maybe a predisposition for cancer or Parkinson's disease or something like that. Hmm. Or we may even show you that, uh, test you and what drugs would work better for you later on in life. And what they'll do is they'll take a swab of your uh, mouth, and then they'll test it. Well, the way the scam runs is I'm the marketer, and I'll do the test on you. I then go see a doctor who will write out the pres prescription for the test. Mm -hmm. Then I give it to the lab company who will run the test and charge Medicare. What happens is I give the doctor a, couple, a kickback for writing the prescription. Mm -hmm. So the doctor's involved in doing an illegal prescription. The, med the lab runs the test, gives it to Medicare, Medicare pays the lab, and the lab gives me a kickback for providing the hmm. sample to them. Okay. So that's how it works. In fact, this past September, uh, federal agencies busted a ring of 35 people for a $2.1 billion Holy cow. Scam. Wow. And that was all genetic testing. Wow. Nothing else. Okay. I was thinking where you were going with this story was they would uh, just – predetermine what they wanted the results to be so that they could then <laughs> steer them to it. That may be another scale. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> hope we didn't give any ideas there. <laughs> um, are there other I – mean, that's, that's more maybe a, a newer one. Are there other more um, common types of Medicare fraud? Uh, some of the common types would be for – like with the provider, duplicate billing. Hmm. Uh, maybe by accident, maybe on purpose. Hmm. Uh, billing for services that uh, they did not uh, – perform. Uh, billing for services that they are billing for a one service they perform, but billing for a higher service. Like I gave oh. you an x-ray, but I'm billing for an MRI. Oh, I see. Uh, they could be billing for services that are not covered under Medicare, but bill for a Medicare service. So how do you, you know, as a... <laughs> As a person that, <laughs> you know, goes to the doctor, gets medical tests, you know, maybe goes in the hospital, has issues, how do you keep up with that volume of paperwork to know, to be able to read the bill and say, well, this is not correct, or uh, how, do you, how do you do that? Uh, one of the things that we uh, like to tell people is to uh, have a personal health log. Mm. Write down when you're going to the doctor, why you're going to the doctor, what your symptoms are. Uh, when you have these symptoms, what's good about them, what's bad about them? Are you taking any drugs now, either non-prescription or prescription drugs? Uh, write down what you want. Ask the doctor. And then when you go see the doctor, ask him those questions. And you may want to bring somebody along with you to either ask the doctor the questions or mm -hmm. to write down what the doctor is telling you. Find out what the doctor is treating you with, what procedures you may have had that day, drugs that he's recommending. And then when you get your medical statements... You cannot check your medical statements against what the doctor performed on you, mm -hmm. what they did, who you saw, and everything like that. Sometimes you may go into a, a minor, say, an outpatient operation. You see one doctor, you see an anesthesiologist, and all of a sudden you get the bill. The doctor's on the bill, and you have two anesthesiologists on the bill. One is for safety. 
And I found that was myself. I called up the hospital and they mm. said, hey, I have two anesthesiologists. They said, you always have two anesthesiologists, oh, okay. either anesthesiologist or an anesthesiologist nurse, and that's for safety. Gotcha. So okay. and that's what you can do. So if you have any questions about your billing, you can call up the provider. Okay. And if they have uh, problems with explaining it or you don't like the explanation, then you uh, contact your senior, your senior Medicare patrol, and we can walk you through stuff. And if need be, we can actually report it or have you report it show you how to report it to the federal authorities. Okay. Is there a certain um, format that you found helpful, or just uh, you know, a, a notebook to write this stuff down, or is there kind of a format, logistics, that type of thing? Uh, if you contact the senior medical patrol, we can actually give you a uh, personal health law. Oh, okay. And it has a few questions, you know, some pat questions you might want to ask the doctor and things like that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'll mention it now, and then we'll, of course, mention it at the end, but uh, I think it's uh, 1-800-938-8885. Sounds good. T- telephone number. <laughs> and uh, also uh, the Senior Medicare Fraud Patrol webpage, uh, virginiasmp.com. Yeah. Uh, and you can get more information there. Um, you know, we started off and we're talking about Medicare fraud, but I want to ask this question because is it different when we say Medicare fraud or Medicare abuse? Is that two different things? Two different things. Fraud is an intentional uh, act mm-hmm. of getting money from from the individual. Okay. Abuse maybe by accident, maybe uh, uh an error, but when it can turn into fraud if you keep doing it. Mm, this is a gotcha, sort of like right, a gray line, right. a fine line between fraud and abuse. I did it. I didn't realize it was. I did it. I didn't realize it. It is abuse to the system. You can go from there. Yeah, but then you say, well, I, you know, I was pretty good getting that money, and I'll yeah. see if I'll do it again, and that's fraud. Okay. All right. You, you touched on the genetic testing a minute ago. Are, are there other new trends, top trends, top uh, frauds that we're, we're kind of seeing? Genetic testing seems to be the biggest one that's going on today. Uh, one that uh, we always want to touch on is identity theft, medical identity theft. And this, is, this has been going on for years, but this is what I consider maybe one of the more, more serious identity thefts out there because mm. they will go in and they will steal your medical identity. With that, they can now uh, charge Medicare for you know several operations, they can uh, do doctor searching, which is going from doctor to doctor, getting prescriptions for opioids, and start a big opioid, you know, opioid supply, mm. and it's all on your Medicare card. Or, or and it's not only Medicare; it's just any medical card they can right. do that on, right. med- medical insurance. Now they're having to do this in person, though, right? Uh, the, the, to carry out the fraud. Uh, if they have to see the doctor, they'll have to do it in person. Sometimes, like we t- discussed on the genetic one, where you have a whole chain of people Got involved. A doctor in your pocket, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, like for uh, an operation, one of the things uh, in one of the other presentations I do when we start talking about the uh, the dark web, mm. where these things are sold, you can buy a social security number for a dollar. You can buy a packet of information, Social Security, driver's license, credit cards, for maybe between $25 and $35. It costs you about $1,000 to $2,000 to get a medical card. Wow. And that's because I can charge a lot more on a medical card than I can some of the other cards. Okay. I can go in one time and charge, a, say, $25,000, $35,000 operation on a Medicare card. Mm. Yeah. And I don't want this to sound – the first word that comes to mind is morbid, but I'm, I'm assuming the – sicker you are or the more health problems you have, the more vulnerable you might be to 
medical identity theft because the thief can then make more money? Is that, that, that could be true up to a point, yeah. Okay. Uh, you really don't have to be sick. Um, one lady um, had, had left her car open and had her medical card in her purse. Mm. Purse was stolen, and the person used it to get drugs. About a year later, and the lady is, is you know, perfectly fine. Oh, a year right, later, right. she was arrested for being a drug pusher. Her children were taken away from her. Oh, my gosh. And the only thing that really saved her was she had done a police report mm. about what was taken. And one of the things was the medical card. That is scary. Now, it took her somewhere between five to seven years to clean her record up. Wow. So that was one of the things right there. Okay. When we're talking about medical card, we're talking like your, your insurance card? Yeah, your, your medical, your, in, in my case, would be my Medicare card. Okay. You know, it's got my name on it. It's got my uh, Medicare number on it. It's got Part A, Part B. So if you don't have a Medicare card, just you need to be careful with uh, you may have a medical, medical insurance, insurance card, insurance dental card, yeah. card, those type of things. I'm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm assuming dental card would not be as, as lucrative as a medical insurance card, but I don't know. You never know. We could work it. <laughs> I mean, who, who'd have ever thought of some of this stuff? You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's just amazing. Oh, my gosh. Um, are there, you, you talked about the medical identity theft being what you thought was like the biggest issue, biggest problem, mm-hmm. those kind of thing. Are there other kind of common frauds that, that we hear about or that we should think about and take some steps to try to protect oh, ourselves from some of these more common ones? Uh, some of the things that you want to do to protect yourself, especially for, you know, we're talking about medical uh, theft right now, what the person can do is Never give your Medicare card or your, your medical number out, period, medical and Social Security number, unless it's to your provider, hmm. unless it's to your doctor. Uh, for the genetic testing example, a doctor has to uh, uh, approve that, has to write a prescription, and by law, that has to be your doctor. Hmm. It can't be some off-the-wall doctor. It has to be the one who's providing the services to you, so you have to know that doctor. Um, same thing, unless you're going to see the doctor or going to the clinic, going to the hospital, there's no need to carry your Medicare card with you or your medical cards with you. Mm. Now, one of the things is why, when I present that through other presentations that I do, people will say, well, what about if I you know, get in an emergency? The emergency room won't treat me. Yes, they will. There's a law passed in 1986 that if the hospital accepts government payment, which is usually Medicare or other government payment, mm. and they have an emergency department, they have to treat you, mm. whether you can pay or not. They have to treat you. And, so don't, that's, and don't most hospitals have an emergency department? Exactly. In fact, there's only um, one group of hospitals, Shriners, Shriners Hospital, mm. does not do that, mm. do that, and some military hospitals will not do that. Mm. Interesting. That's that's a good point. I mean, after you're there, if you need it, you can get a family member or somebody to go what get I'll, it or what whatever. What I'll do on mine is I'll, I'll black, black the number out on the back of it. I'll put down in case of emergency call, you know, have my mm. significant other one. Interesting. Good. Good point. Any other tips like that that you could you could share to never help, give your help never us? give your social security card or your uh, Medicare number away, um, except for your provider, of course. When you uh, get a phone call, what you'll see sometimes you'll see a number come up, and it will be a Medicare number or social security number will flash on the ID. On, on Keep, your on your telephone on your, on your cell phone, it will flash that you know it's social security or uh, Medicare calling up. Spoof or uh, the con men can spoof that number. Mm. I can call you with a social security number and it will be from the social security office or the number that goes to social security. Really? When you answer it, a lot of times what I will ask you for is uh, either I will threaten you with saying, hey, your Medicare uh, 
premiums are going to be ra raised if you don't do something or they're going to be cut off if you don't do something. And one of the things I will ask you for is I will ask you for your number. Mm -hmm. And once I have your number, now I can commit identity theft for you. I've done, I've done that. What I will ask, may ask you for a credit card number or ask you to go out if there's something wrong uh, that, you know, your, your uh, Medicare, your uh, benefits are going to be suspended immediately and we have an arrest warrant out for you because of certain things. Uh, you can avoid that by paying me or by right. paying the system $500. Right. Oh, go to, go to a gift shop and get a gift card. Mm. Get the, I think, iTunes cards are the ones that are popular today. Hmm. Get an iTunes card. Oh, keep me on the phone, though, because when you get the iTunes cards, I want you to read the back of the numbers to me. As soon as you do that, I have another partner over here right. collecting the cash. Right. So you'll have that one there. Uh, Medicare, Social Security, IRS, they will never contact you by phone. They will never hmm. contact you by email, and they will never knock on your door. They all do it by snail mail. They will contact you by snail mail. When they do contact you, if they contact you, email, uh, phone, uh, or by in person, you will have made initial contact with them first. You will have went, went to see them first. Oh, I see. Uh, I called up the IRS to get some information from them. They sent me an email, and at the bottom of the email, it said, we will not send you emails unless you made initial contact with us. Okay. Um, so that's the other thing you have to remember. The other thing is uh, they will not threaten you, and they will never ask you for money. Mm -hmm. So you, know, uh, you will have to they will go through due process in order to get something from you or, you know, if you owe money or something right. like that, they will have to do a due process for you. I know it's scary when you when you get these phone calls and, you know, it's like, oh, you see this number and it's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, it sounds official mm -hmm. and whatever. What what should we – I mean, what should we – should we just hang up? Hang should, up. Okay. Hang up. Do not engage. Um, I'm of the generation where your parents taught you when you answer the phone, you'd be polite. Right, right. You always, you know, answer the questions. You say goodbye, you know, and hang up very gently. What I tell people in my presentations, which most of them are, are my age group or maybe a little bit older, forget what your mother told you, just hang the phone up. Better, don't even answer it. Mm. If it's an important call, they'll leave a message. True, true. Okay, so don't answer the phone. If you do answer, do not engage. One of the things you'll have is, uh, you know, press one if you want to be taken off the list. As soon as you press one, what you've told the scammer is that there's a live person at the end of the line here. Keep calling them up. Oh, interesting. So it's no, it's no use to press any numbers. Just do, best thing is do not answer the phone or do not engage. And what about um, if there is a live person on the phone and, and you tell them to put you on the do not call list? Does that does that work or do they then know they've got a live person? They, you, they, they, as soon as you answer the phone, they know they have a live person. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, I know with my cell phone, um, when the phone comes in and, and a, a, the name shows up, you're in my contact directory, I answer that. But if there's no name attached, I don't even bother answering the calls on my cell because, like you said, if it's important, they'll call back. They'll leave a message. <laughs> so that's interesting. Okay, good points about your landline home phones. And uh, Unfortunately, a lot of folks are – well, I don't know if it's unfortunately, but a lot of folks don't even have landline phones now. They're all going to a lot of, lot of mobile phones. So um, good tips about how we can help prevent Medicare fraud. Um, if we're in the bad situation that something does happen to us or we think something's happened to us, how do we go about reporting an, an incident? How do we report fraud? Okay. One, you can, one, gather all the information you have. What, what I recommend, and uh, Federal Trade Commission also 
can help you out with uh, identity theft. They have a real good booklet as well as an online program that mm. you can step-by-step -step go through to uh, regain your identi identity back if, you're, if you have identity theft. If you only think it's fraud, get all the information that you have on why you think it's fraud. Contact uh, either the SMPs, contact your local uh, uh, law enforcement agency, contact uh, VICAP, area, uh, VICAP, your local VICAP, and they can help you out to find out if it's fraud or not. If it is fraud, they can point you or they can, in fact, uh, contact the local authorities or uh, state or federal authorities mm -hmm. to find out if this be investigated more. Uh, and it doesn't matter how big a fraud you think it is. Or how small. Or how small. One lady had a $9 some charge on her uh, medical statement, reported it, and they investigated it and found out it was a statewide thing that was going on. It was basically an error, but it was still $9, and I think they recouped uh, something like $2 million-some dollars right. off of that thing. I'm not sure that a we nine, could, but it was— A nine here, there, yeah. and several it, hundred it thousand was, places. Several up. hundred thousand. I think it was yeah. close to a million or so. Wow. Yeah. On that one there. Yeah, pennies add up to dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, timely topic, because we're going through this open enrollment or open season, as a lot of people uh, talk about it, you know, choosing uh, your benefits and that type of thing. Is this a more prime time, prime season for Medicare fraud? or Not so much more prime time, but the fewer things you have to watch out for. Mm. Uh, number one, you may get a provider who may be legit, not legit, but they may ask you for your Social Security number, your Medicare number, your banking information, things like that, They to get information from them. They're not allowed to ask you for anything like that to get information. The information's free. Just say, I want information on your product. They give you the information. You do not have to provide any type of They may need your mailing address. They may need your mailing address, but that's about it, or maybe an email. Okay. Uh, but as far as providing you, and then you have to make initial contact with them. They're not supposed to come out and uh, mm. get you first. You're okay. supposed to make initial contact with so them. It don't, so the way it should work, if you're interested and you provide them their, your mailing address or whatever, you shouldn't see a salesman showing up on your door you know, a day or two later. <laughs> well, you've made initial contact with them. What they should do is they should call you or email you and say, hey, we would like to do this. Gotcha. Again, you made initial contact with them. Okay. Uh, one of the things is they may send out a, a blanket email mm. and just to every, anybody. If you respond to that, mm. you've made, you've made contact with okay. them, then they can email you. You may call you if they, you put your phone number and things like that. Gotcha. There. Okay. Uh, I've done that a couple of times. Basically, to get information on what was out there, mm -hmm. and uh, people are usually nice to you. They give you the information, sell you, you know, uh, don't sell you the information. They provide the information right. to you, and uh, they ask me, you know, please do not call again. And, and the legit ones do not call you again. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing that uh, legit ones will do, they will, will not pressure you and say you have to sign up with our plan now. Mm. You know, they will not pressure you. Have the entire open enrollment season to make your decision on that. They will not say they represent Medicare or any other government mm. organization. They represent their insurance company, and that's it. Okay. Uh, they will not offer you gifts to enroll. If they offer you a gift to enroll, they have to offer everybody a gift to enroll, whether you enroll or not. And the gift oh. can only be less than $15. Huh. Okay. So they cannot offer you anything like that. They also cannot threaten you with any loss of benefits, saying, you know, if you don't sign up my plan, you're going to lose your Medicare benefits. No. They cannot do that. Okay. Okay, so they cannot hmm. threaten you with anything like that. Uh, they cannot 
provide information that looks like it comes from the government. Mm. So like, uh, you know, a Fairfax County sticker on it or anything like right, that. They're not right. supposed to be doing anything like that. Um, also, with educationally uh, uh, programs where they may go to and provide like a, a Medicare, uh, you know, open enrollment seminar. Free training or something. They are not allowed to have any business cards, any sign-up sheets, any application forms, anything like that. Oh, interesting. All their last days is, this is open season. These are the things that are out there. They're not allowed to do anything like that. Not allowed to conduct any sales during any healthcare settings. Mm. Okay. So there's a lot of things that they can and cannot do. Now, one of the things is once you do decide to go with a plan, mm -hmm. you want to confirm what the agent has told you. Mm. You want to get it in writing and make sure that they, and also you want to make sure that the doctors that you visit are in your network. Mm. If the plan has a network, like a lot of HM, HMOs or PPOs mm -hmm. do, Make sure your doctor is in that plan. Mm. If they're not in the plan, you want to ask the agent, how much does it cost to go outside the plan? Gotcha. You know, things like that, right. if you want to stay with that doctor. All right. Man, I'm telling you, that's <laughs> wow, that's a lot of uh, good information there, a lot of red flags we should be looking mm -hmm. out for. Um, about hitting our time, Mark, uh, any final thing, anything I haven't asked, anything you wish – uh, I had to ask you. Or, no, uh, I think we've, we've covered a lot of things. Is uh, The basic thing is, one, do not give anybody your Medicare number unless it's your uh, Medicare or your medical provider. Mm -hmm. uh, and that goes for your Social Security number also. So be careful of your identity. Um, do not answer the phone. If you do, hang up. Do not engage. And also on emails, if you get an email uh, that you don't know the source, basically is to delete it. Do not click on anything. Mm. Uh, do not answer it. Just, just basically completely ignore it. Yeah. If you click on it, it may download malware and mm. may uh, hide, really hijack your computer. Right. Delete so, it and then delete it out of your trash. Yeah, delete it. You got it. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Martin Bailey, thanks so much for being here. It was a pleasure, Jim. I thank you very much for having Ab me again. Absolutely. A, 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 a scary topic, but uh, I think a topic that uh, a lot, especially there the last couple of three minutes as you went through all those red flags, things to be on the lookout for if we just follow that good advice. We, sh we should be good. Oh, thank you. Medicare fraud, our topic today. Again, Martin Bailey with the Senior Medicare Fraud Patrol here with us. If you suspect uh, fraud, you can report suspected fraud by calling 1-800-938-8885. You can also visit the Senior Medicare Fraud Patrol webpage at virginiasmp.com. That's virginiasmp.com. And you can request a community presentation and find out more about volunteering if you're so interested. If you want to find out about Fairfax County older adult services, recreation, community engagement opportunities, dial 703-324-7948. That's Monday through Friday. Or you can go online 24-7 to fairfaxcounty.gov slash older adults. When you're on that webpage, be sure to subscribe to the monthly Golden Gazette newspaper, and you'll find a link from there over to the Fairfax 50 Plus Facebook page. We'd love to see you there. The Fairfax 50 Plus podcast is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government. Thanks for listening.